Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Morning. It is Thursday, January 20th. You are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Lance Glenn. We are marching towards the February signing period, only a few weeks to go. Make sure to stay locked in to 247sports.com for all the latest recruiting news and notes on your favorite program. Over the last few weeks on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, we have been highlighting some of the first-year head coaches that took over new programs only a few months ago. We've covered the Sunshine State hitting on Miami and Florida a few weeks back. Now we turn our attention to the West Coast, a region that has quite a few new head coaches. And the first school we're going to take a look at is the University of Washington under the leadership of new head coach, Kalen DeBoer. Joining me now to discuss the Huskies covering recruiting for 24-7 Sports Washington site, dogman.com, is Scott Eklund. Scott, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on and giving me some time today. Oh, man. Thanks for thanks for uh, bringing me on. I'm really excited to, to talk some Husky uh, football recruiting. And just it's kind of nice to be back into what seems like it's probably going to be a normal year uh, in the pandemic. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's great to it's great to know that visits are going to happen and not have to worry about uh, the when visits might take place or if visits mm-hmm. might take place. It, it's been really a breath of fresh air over the last, you know, couple months since obviously the dead, the, the long dead period, the, what was it? 15, 16, 17 month dead period obviously yeah. ended. Uh, so it's, it's definitely been fun and recruiting has been as busy as it's ever been since then. And, and with Washington, you know, Kalen DeBoer, he obviously took over a couple weeks before the early signing period. So not much he could do to build up the class prior to it. And, and look, transition classes, they're always going to be rough. You learn a lot more from a coach's first full cycle than you do when they first get to campus and, and need to scramble just to fill spots. But from what you've seen so far over a month into DeBoer's tenure, he's on the trail, he's handing out offers, kids are taking visits now. What's just been your early assessment of him as a recruiter and perhaps his philosophy when it comes to building classes and bringing in talent so early on? Well, everything I've heard, and this is from people within the program and kids who are already in the program and, and players that are planning to return, their parents, people who around them who we've we've talked to and everything like that. It sounds like he and the staff have both come in and made a very, very solid impression with the new with the new with the current players and out on the on the road. The nice thing is Washington, uh, you know, DeBoer brought in a lot of guys who have really good reputations as uh, recruiters. They 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 got Courtney Morgan, who is one of the top uh, behind the scenes recruiters. He's not a coach per se, not a coach on the field, but he's the one, he's their uh, player personnel guy. And they, they stole him from Michigan and he's been using his contacts all over the country, not just in the West, but also down in Texas, in the Midwest. And and they've done a really good job of getting out and getting Washington's brand out. The, the thing about Washington and anybody who, who knows Washington and knows the Pac-12, Washington is one of the big name schools in the Pac-12. You got Oregon, you got UCLA, uh, USC, Stanford, and Washington. Those are kind of the five p- 
pillar programs of the of the conference, but only really three recruit nationally with any kind of substance. And that's USC because of their tradition and their name, Stanford because of their academics, and then Oregon because of, and I'm this is not ripping on Oregon, but the their top booster is the guy from Oregon, you know, is the guy from Nike, Phil Knight. So that that kind of puts them on a national level. UCLA and Washington don't really recruit nationally. They might go out and pluck a guy here, pluck a guy there, but they haven't really done that a lot. Well, with the guys that Coach DeBoer has brought in, you know, they've got Nick Sheridan coming over from Indiana. They've got Jamarcus Shepard coming from Purdue. So those are a couple names out there. You've got Brechterfield who came over from Vanderbilt. He was coaching and he coached up at Wisconsin and has had a lot of success and coached at Pitt too. So he brought in some guys that have a reach and, and some some uh, relationships with guys back in the East and in the Midwest. So they've been reaching a little bit further out. Yesterday, there was a school in North Carolina that uh, tweeted out that they were thankful that Washington had made it out to come and recruit some of their players. So, you know, that's North Carolina is not typically a school on the Washington recruiting trail or in their footprint, but it might be now. So I think there's a lot of positive things. That's a long way of saying there's a lot of positive things going on, but um, we'll really see the proof will start to be in the pudding starting on February 2nd when they can bring in more guys and sign them and who they're able to get. And uh, there's some, there's some, uh, uh, what do you call bellwether recruits that if he can get those guys in the fold, then Washington, you can kind of see Washington trending up on the recruiting trail. Yeah, and it seems like, like you said, with the additions to the coaching staff, uh, Washington trying to go national and join the likes of Stanford, USC, and Oregon in the Pac-12. But a huge part of recruiting at any school is obviously doing your best to lock up that in-state talent. Now, Washington, they didn't do a bad job of that under Jimmy Lake, but there were certainly some missed opportunities. Just looking at the last two years, obviously, JT Tuimolau, Emeka Igbuka, G. Scott, Levi Rogers, to name a few. Look, they got Sam Heward. Savelle Smalls, Gary and Hatchett, and a host of others. So it's not like they're losing all the top talent, but what does Kalen DeBoer have to do differently than what Jimmy Lake did to fill in those missing holes, you know, to keep the JT Tui Molowaos or the Emeka Egbukos of the world home at Washington and away from the national brands like in Ohio State, for example? Well, the, the first thing is there's something that's kind of out of Coach DeBoer's control and basically any Pac-12 schools coaching staff's control from a recruiting standpoint. And that's the perception that you can't win a championship in the Pac-12 right now. And unfortunately, that's kind of been the case. The The last national title uh, won by a Pac-12 school was was uh, USC. And that was back way back when I, I can't even remember. It was, it was mid, under Coach Carroll. Yeah, mid-2000s? Yeah, like 2005, 2006, whenever that was, when they had that great game against uh, Texas. And that was kind of the era. Um, it wasn't that year, but yeah. So, you know, just a lot of, and, and there's only been two national titles, one since 1990 in the PAC 12 and Washington was one of those schools. Um, and they split that national title. So unfortunately right now, um, with the way the college football playoffs are set up with the way that, um, the SEC is just so dominant. They were, do- they've always been a dominant area and they've always had a lot of great schools down there, Georgia, Alabama, uh, Florida, Tennessee, all these great schools that are, that play down there. They all beat the crud out of each other. And then they go and they beat the crud out of everybody else in the postseason. So a lot of these schools are trying to recruit against schools like Ohio state, who's a perennial 
college football playoff team and recruiting against Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia, LSU, schools like that, that that it's it's really hard to recruit against those schools. So right now, what they have to do is they got to get on the national stage and they got to go win. And now that's on the coaching staff to go and win. But when you're talking about recruiting, until that improves, it's going to be harder and harder to keep the local kids, not just Washington kids, but the West Coast kids in the West Coast region. And, and Brandon Huffman, I'm sure, has talked to you guys about that. Um, Greg Biggins has done the same thing. Blair Angulo, all these guys that recruit that cover recruiting out here all know that these kids are being told you cannot win a national title at Washington. Why not come here or, or USC or Oregon or any of these schools? Why not come out here to Ohio State, to Alabama, to Tennessee and, and come and be part of something that's pretty special and you can go win a national title, get the same coaching and win a national title, get your NIL and all those different things. So that's one of the things and that's kind of out of his control. But what is in his control in keeping the local kids local? Now, JT Tumalau Emeka Buka might not even no matter how hard you recruit him and, and how much you sell them might not have stayed. But if you can keep a guy like G. Scott, G. Scott Jr. would have wound up at Washington had they offered him early, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. His dad w- for a long time was a big proponent of Washington and wanted his kids to stay close to home. But Washington didn't offer until after he had committed to Ohio State. And so, and then when they offered it, it just, it was kind of pathetic last jab, you know, to try and do it. So, but the biggest thing is that this area is very provincial. They're very big about, hey, you show your local kids a love. If you have a kid in California who's got the same talent level as this kid in Washington, you should be taking the Washington kid over the California kid. Now, some coaches will tell you, well, the California kid also played against a little bit better talent level than the Washington kid did. Or um, maybe the, the Washington kid would be better off, better served going off and being maybe away from his family or maybe away from some of the inf- outside influences that are are that can be around some of these kids sometimes. So I think a big big thing is just building the relationships with the local coaches, uh, local high school coaches, building relationships with the the local uh, seven on seven teams, Air and FSP are the two biggest ones. Having, having those two school or those two programs feel really comfortable in sending their kids to your school. And you got to show the kids love. You just got to constantly, I don't want to say coddle, that's kind of a negative connotation there, but you got to, you got to show them love. You got to, you got to hold their hand a little bit, rub them, rub their, rub their hands. And oh man, you're the best. You're, you know, we were, need guys like you to come to our school. And, and uh, you know, you do those things. And I think you can, I think you can keep a lot of these top end players home, but you know, at this point, I don't think it's for lack of effort. I think a big reason why Washington has struggled to keep the top guys, other than maybe Sam Heward and uh, Savelle Smalls, you know, because they lost Foster Sorrell to uh, Stanford. Now that that was that guy stayed in in conference, but you know Washington had no real shot with him um, because of that, and and so if you're not able to keep these guys home, it's because right now. I think it's it's the perception that you can't win a national title and can't get on the national stage and unfortunately build your brand. I mean, there's a lot of these kids who are out to build their brand right now. Not saying they're bad kids because they want to do that, but that's a big thing for them. And you're not going to build your your uh, brand going to a school that is maybe going to the going to the Rose Bowl or maybe even going to the college football playoff, but going to get their butt kicked by Alabama in the Peach Bowl. You know what I mean? So it's there's so many things that go into it. But I think a big thing for DeBoer, he's built he's he's been out to a lot of the schools. He's prioritized a lot of these kids, uh, these local kids, and and meeting the coaches and meeting these kids. And I think you'll 
see an uptick in some of these things. But when it all comes down to it, the biggest thing is, and you want to keep the best players home that you can, but you want to just get the best players, period. And if the best, if there's a better player in California or Texas or Arizona or Utah, you go out and get those guys and the Washington kids are just going to have to get over it, in my opinion. So I want to just quickly ask now about the transfer portal, because that's obviously become a huge part of recruiting as well. Two transfers right now, most notably Indiana transfer quarterback, Michael Penix. But you look back to his 2021 class at Fresno State, he took nine transfers. Do you expect this to be a high school heavy recruiting philosophy Mm -hmm. with transfers here and there to fill immediate needs? Or do you think DeBoer might be someone who really attacks the portal year in and year out? Well, I think just like the NFL, uh, and I've, I've equated the NFL and college when it comes to this, I look at the portal as free agency and recruiting as the draft, right? And then when you talk about NFL teams, they'd much rather build through the draft than they would with free agency. But the reality is that you're going to have holes with, with the in the NFL because of your salary cap, you're going to have holes in your roster where maybe you have one guy making like Russell Wilson making $35 million. Well, I'm not going to be able to afford some of these you know, big high, high name, high, high end players at other positions because I'm playing that guy so much. Well, Washington only has 85 scholarships available to them that they can recruit to. And sometimes, especially out West, where the biggest recruiting gap is from West Coast kids to the East Coast, Southeast, Midwest is the lines, the D lines and the, and the offensive linemen. So, the big thing is you're going to you're you're probably going to have years where it's real heavy on offensive linemen and then years when it's not very heavy on offensive linemen and you're going to have to supplement now that you might go out be able to go out and get a high-end three-star guy who you can coach up into a four or five-star guy from the Midwest but more often than not what you might have to do is plug in a and and especially with defections to the portal from your, from your squad, from maybe some upperclassmen, as well as guys leaving early for the NFL, or even guys who are just having to retire because of injuries or whatever, you're going to have holes and you want some upperclassmen. So I think what, and, and I've always felt the best way to do these things is to uh, recruit, recruit, recruit at the high school level, get the best players you can, and you're going to have to supplement it, maybe three or four transfers every year, guys that you can bring in and be part of your program that integrate themselves well, but they're going to have to be the right players. So you can't just go out and say, I'm going to go get the best player because in the NFL, you go out and get Terrell Owens, you get you get him and you think, oh man, I've got a Hall of Fame wide receiver, a borderline Hall of Fame wide receiver in my uh, lineup now. And what is he like in the locker room though? Is he a good locker room guy? Is he a me first guy? Is he going to be a guy who's a pain in the ass on the sidelines complaining that he's not getting enough balls thrown his way when he got 10 targets and has dropped five of them? You know, it's, you know, what, what is this kid going to be like? So you have to find the right guys. It can't just be always the best guys. It's got to be the right guys who are the best that you can find. And, you know, so I think three or four transfers per year, and then you recruit through, uh, you you build your, you mainly build your roster through um, high school recruiting. But the thing is, when you have a coaching changeover like this, I think you're going to see Washington go a little heavier on transfer portals, elite uh, portal players who can come in and supplement the guys that have left because Washington has had roughly, I think, six to eight guys that have left uh, via transfer. And that just happens in coaching changes sometimes. You know, kids don't want to necessarily play for the new staff, not because they don't like them, but they felt comfortable with the old staff and they want to start new and fresh with, so, you know, somewhere else. And that's fine. But I, I think for the most part, 
And especially going forward in 2023, 2024, you'll see him supplement the roster with transfer portal guys, but it'll be mostly a focus on bringing in the best high school players you can. So I'm really curious about the hire of Jamarcus Shepard to be the wide receivers coach, you know, getting him over from Purdue, a big part in obviously developing David Bell, who's one of the top receivers in the 2022 draft and Rondell Moore, who was a second round pick last year. How important was that hire to the recruiting effort, especially on offense for the Huskies moving forward? Oh, I think it's huge. I I think it's absolutely huge. The top guy that they had signed with him back in December was a guy by the name of Jeremy Bernard. He's out of Liberty High School. He was a high-end four-star recruit, big-time guy. He was recruited by Junior Adams, the former wide receivers coach who's now down at Oregon. Signed with Washington still because Junior Adams stayed on staff. Well, then Junior Adams decided he wanted to go down to Oregon and be part of that staff. And Jeremy Bernard shows up here and then um, leaves before he enrolls and then is now at Michigan State and up there uh, with the Spartans. So, but I think if he had waited to talk to Coach uh, Shepard and maybe seen what what Washington was going to be able to do at that position, I think he would have possibly had a good chance of staying and and would have liked what he what he sees out of this new coaching this new coach that's coming in. But um, you know, there were some rumors that up to five wide receivers could leave from Washington's current roster. And that would have gutted them. That would have, they would have had like two or th- I think three, maybe four guys on scholarship. But, you know, then they, then coach DeBoer sits down and, and basically I think he laid out, he's a former wide receiver himself. So he's a very wide receiver friendly head coach. And he also uh, laid it out to these guys, what the plan was and who was going to be their position coach and why it's a very good thing that that he's going to be their guy and that they should stick around. And so he got Jalen McMillan, Romo Dunsey, and Jalen Polk, all guys who are going to be, if they aren't starters this year, they're going to be heavily in the rotation um, at the University of Hawaii. I mean, to me, I have them all penciled in as starters heading into the season. So if, if that's the case, you know, I think his reputation alone is going to be able to get guys excited about coming to the University of Washington. And then you watch some of his videos, you watch, you hear what all the players say about him. You hear about what coaches have said about him and what he can do as far as showing wide receivers, how to run routes, how to block better, how to get tougher, all those things. I think it's going to be nothing, nothing but great things for Washington uh, that Jamarcus Shepard is, is now the wide receivers coach. And, and uh, you know, I mentioned it to you a little bit before uh, we we started podcasting, but I think he could eventually be your future offensive coordinator. Ryan Grubb is the current coach, uh, current offensive coordinator at the University of Washington, but he's been an offensive coordinator now for two years under DeBoer. I think two more years under DeBoer. And if Washington's offense is able to come out and have some big success, I think this year is going to be a little, little bit clunky because of just the way that, you know, it takes time to learn the offense and all the nuances and all that different stuff. But I think if Coach Grubb is successful, I think Jamarcus Shepard could be your next offensive coordinator at the University of Washington, and that would be absolutely huge. Washington, I, to my knowledge, I, I someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but to my knowledge, Jimmy Lake is the only African-American coordinator to ever be the coordinator at the University of Washington. He was a co-defensive coordinator. I think Jamarcus Shepard could end up being the sole offensive coordinator eventually, and that would be great uh, to see a minority uh, offensive coordinator come through this staff and and with his knowledge and his abilities, he's coming in as a co-offensive or I think associate head coach, passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach. It would not shock me at all if he is 
the next in line to be the offensive coordinator if Ryan Grubb goes off and, and finds himself a job at a power five school or even even a group of five school. I, I could see him leaving for the right uh, group of five school. So Scott, a couple more from me. Look, as Washington heads toward the February signing period, all eyes right now are on Josh Connerly, five-star offensive lineman, the top recruit in Washington, someone the Huskies have been chasing for a while. If you could kind of handicap it, where do you think Washington's chances sit to land the elite in-state offensive lineman? Boy, that question has never been asked of me by my <laughs> by our subscribers. You know, um, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's you know, uh, it's really hard to say at this point. He's such a close to the best kind of kid. He's he's not gonna um, be out there and and really showing a lot of his cards and everything like that. Right now, Washington, Michigan, Oklahoma, Alabama, Oregon, and Texas are the five are the six schools that he's looking at. He's already taken his official visit to Michigan. He just took his official visit to Oklahoma. I believe he'll take one to Alabama, Oregon, and Texas. The problem is Washington might not get, it sounds like he's not planning to take an official visit to the University of Washington. And I'm not saying it never happens, but boy, it is super, super rare for a kid to commit to a school and sign with a school and never having taken an official visit to that school. And um, it's too bad because um, I think there's a lot that you miss out on when you're not an official visitor, even though you can do all the same things, you just have to pay for it all. But yeah, I... I think Washington's got to do everything they can to get him to not take a trip to Alabama, Oregon, or Texas as an official visitor. They need to do everything they can to get him to be an official visitor. If they do that, I think they've got a fight, a puncher's chance because he is a local kid. He isn't a guy who is a local kid, but has only been here for four or five years. He grew up here. He was born here. He was raised here. He loves the University of Washington, grew up loving the University of Washington, honestly, before the season started and Washington kind of got off to the clunker that they got off to. He was probably edging toward the University of Washington. But I would say Michigan holds the lead right now. If I was handicapping it, I'd say Michigan is probably the school that he ends up with if he were to sign today. But uh, I'm not quite sure Oregon will be that school. I think Alabama's got a decent shot. I don't think Texas has a realistic shot. I think it's Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and Washington. I think those are the ones that are kind of in that top four. But Oregon, they got Adrian Clem as their offensive offensive line coach. They recruit really well. There's, uh, you know, they've got all the branding that that is Oregon right now. And they can also point to, um, I don't know what Panay Sewell went. What did he go? Two, three in the- I think he 20... went sixth, I think. Oh, six, whatever it was. Regardless, a top a, 10 pick. Yeah, they had a top 10 guy come out. And Panay Sewell is, is maybe a little, was maybe a little more developed when he showed up than Josh Connerly will be. But Josh Connerly's got every bit of the talent that Panay Sewell does. And so Oregon can point to that. Now it's under former staff. It's not under the same staff, but kids don't always look at that kind of stuff. Although Josh does, because he's very cerebral. But I think I think that Oregon's got a decent shot if they can get him on campus and, and sell him on a lot of things. I know that uh, there've been some communications between him and them and, and some people around that program that feel like Oregon's kind of a dark horse for, for him. And I guess nothing surprises me in recruiting anymore, but I think Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, Washington, I think those are kind of the ones that are probably the more real, realistic schools, but Washington could fall out of that if they don't have they don't get an official visit. So I really think it's going to come down to whether he they are able to convince him to take an official visit 
or not. If he doesn't, then I don't think Washington's got much of a shot. So Scott, last one from me, and I want to quickly look at 2023. It'll be Kalen DeBoer's first full class. Who are some names you have your eyes on as the staff closes out 2022 and really starts to shift gears to next year's cycle? Yeah, the the 2023 class in state, in the state of Washington is really, really good. And and the thing is, typically Washington may, may sport one, maybe two defensive backs that you can recruit to a power five school. I mean, there's there's lots of defensive backs that sign with schools, but not Pac-12 schools and especially not schools at Washington's level. Well, this year, there's some really, really good defensive backs. Caleb Presley from Rainier Beach, same school that Josh Carnley goes to. Um, he's a big time kid, six foot, 180 pounds. Josiah Wagner, 5'11", 160 pounds out of Spanaway Lake. That's down south. That's not a school that's really known for having big time prospects come out of it. But Josiah Wagner is a big time prospect. You've also got uh, Gabe Tahir out of Kennewick. I'm sorry, uh, Kamayakin, which is in Kennewick. Those are three right there. TJ Crandall's another one out of Skyline. Those are some big time. Ishan Daniels, another one from Bellevue. Those are all guys who could go power five. Jaden Wayne is the big name from the state of Washington in, in uh, 2023. It's a defensive lineman out of Lincoln, Tacoma. Uh, 6'5", 245 pounds, has offers from everywhere. Sounds like Washington has been talking to him a little bit, but schools like Oregon, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, those are schools all in pursuit of him right now. Now, Jabari Johnson is a name to keep an eye on. He's a quarterback out of Lincoln, Tacoma. He's only six foot, 200 pounds, but he's got really good arm action, can really sling the ball around and uh, had a pretty good uh, junior season. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he ends up doing. He does not have an offer from Washington, but that's a name people need to remember. Jaden Lemar, top running back in the state out of Lake Stevens. He's got offers from everywhere. It sounds like Michigan might be the leader right now, but he's just starting to get to know Lee Marks, the running backs coach at Washington. Two offensive linemen from the state of Washington, Micah Banuelos uh, out of Kennedy Catholic. That's the same school that Sam Heward is out of. And then Landon Hatchett out of Ferndale. He's Garen Hatchett's younger brother and might be further along as a player than Garen was. Garen's bigger, longer, has maybe a little more athleticism, but Gear- Landon's a better probably football player at this point in their in their progression at the same point. So those are two, those are a couple guys. Washington's been offering a lot of guys across the country. There's some defensive backs in Southern California that that they are that they have been after. I'm sure Scott Huff is going to be making some offers out to uh linemen in Arizona, which is his kind of area. Utah is always a fertile ground for kids. So lots of kids that Washington can focus on, but they're really, really focusing on a lot of these in-state kids and what they can do with them. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott Eklund, covering recruiting for 24-7 Sports Washington site, dogman.com. Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you giving me some time today. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it. And anytime you guys need anything, Lance, I'm here to, to help any way I can. Well, thank you for that. And remember, as we march towards February signing day to keep it locked to 247sports.com for the latest recruiting news on your favorite team. For Scott Eklund, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 247 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.